first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State, Florida. And today we'll be talking with some special guests from the Team Marco and Collective and reviewing the Key to Christmas. But first, we'll be interviewing Sarah and Celine about the Key to Christmas. Hi, Sarah and Celine. How are you guys doing today? We are good. Thanks for asking. So I love this time of the year. It's Christmas. So, of course, they got to have the best Christmas movies coming out. So, Sarah, can you give us a little info about what this movie's about? So, this movie is about a very, very mean elf who tries to take over the North Pole. She um, turns time backwards, and Santa starts getting younger instead of older, and I mean, that's terrible. Um, and it was all up to one loyal elf and a girl that was holding the magic key to save Christmas. That sounds really interesting because it's between time traveling and Christmas all in one movie. I've actually never heard of that. I really want to see this movie. Yes, I really liked it. Celine, what was your favorite part of this movie? Oh, that's such a difficult question because there are so many good parts in this movie. But it's probably when Santa was giving Kira the convincing Kira that he was like Santa and he was not a fake Santa. Oh, so Santa thought he was fake? Uh, no, sorry. Kira yeah. thought he was fake. Oh, okay. Because I've actually seen that a few times in other movies where they're like, wait a sec, is that Santa or am I seeing things? So Sarah, what's your favorite part? I think my favorite part would be um, Santa chasing after Kira, trying to like say that he's Santa and he needs the magic key. And, I mean, that really just caught my attention, attention, and I thought that was a really great part. So, Celine, you both loved this part where he was trying to convince Santa that, that Santa was trying to convince her that he's Santa. So, could you elaborate more about that scene? Well, it's definitely, like, a fun scene to be Santa younger and... I loved how he was, like, skateboarding. It was definitely a really fun scene to watch, and I definitely really enjoyed it. And Sarah, uh, what was the moral of this movie? I think the moral is that, like, you should always think before your actions, because if uh, Winnie had thought before her actions, she wouldn't have caused so many trouble, and she wouldn't have gotten in trouble. And by the way, um, Winnie is the one that's trying to take over Christmas. That sounds really interesting. I love that moral. Um, so, Celine, what do you think makes this film different from other films with Santa? Oh, there are so many details that set this movie apart from other movies, but it really is the message and how you should never stop believing in the magic of Christmas and the goodness of others and that you should always Rise above your doubts and your fears to overcome challenges, but to always believe in yourself. I think that really makes this movie stand out, and I absolutely love that. So, Sarah, what do you think this movie stands out in your perspective? Um, I think it's a really um fun movie. It like normally most movies, um, Santa is usually very not mean, but he's not as jolly. And I feel like in this movie, it shows that he's a little nicer and um, he forgives Winnie a little bit. So I think this movie, like, there are nicer characters. So, yeah. That sounds really nice. So, Celine, um, do you think this movie fits the time we're in right now, like the month? Well, of course, the holiday month. What kind I know, of question but, like, is that? Do you think this really showed the spirit of Christmas? I don't know how else to elaborate. Yes, of course. It's just, there's always something so magical about the holiday season. And the movie, The Key to Christmas, really shows it. That's really nice to hear, because some movies are like, it would show Santa, but sometimes it's not all about Santa. So, Sarah, 
for Santa. I've seen a lot of movies about different types of Santas. Like, what what type of Santa was in this movie? Was it gangster Santa? Was it normal Santa? What type of Santa was it? I think it was pretty much a normal Santa. He was a really nice and jolly. Um, he loved cookies, of course. Um, and he was very nice. And while he was getting um younger, he started being um not very happy. He always started getting very moody. But um, I guess he was very nice. And I think he was a normal Santa. I feel like that'd be funny to watch because it'd just be like a little angry baby Santa with a little hat on just running around. Yeah. I can really imagine that. So, um, Celine, the story, uh, we're talking about how it goes back in time. So I kind of wanted to go back and talk about how do you think that, or sorry, how did the movie go once he turned little? Like, how did he save Christmas or what happened to Christmas? Kira saved Christmas by getting the key and helping Santa. And you elaborate, Lovey, of course. Could you elaborate a little more? Well, they got the key, they turned forward time, and they rescued Mrs. Claus and everyone from the Candy Cane Jail. Okay, well, thank you both for speaking with me. I have one more question. Uh, Sarah, so what do you think the age rating and star recommendation of this uh, movie is? I think um about 8 to 18, but adults will also love it. And I rate it a 5 out of 5 stars. I actually really like it because, you know, I love Christmas movies, so yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. So, Celine, what age recommendation and star rating would you give this movie? Definitely 4 out of 5 stars. And for ages, I'd give it 2 to 8, along with family members. Well... Thank you guys for taking the time to speak with me. No You're problem. very welcome. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with some special guests from Team Marco and Collective and reviewing the key to Christmas. Right now we're switching over to talk with Ishan about the film Collective. Hey Ishan, how you doing? Hey Ethan, what's up? I'm good. Uh, so first of all, what is this movie about? So this movie, Collective, is actually based around an actual event that happened on October 30th, 2015. There was a deadly fire in a popular nightclub in Bucharest, Romania, which was also called Collective. And 64 people were killed, 146 people were injured. But there was something sort of off about that number, 64, right? So of those 64 killed, 38 died in the hospitals. And... People were wondering, why is there such a large number of people who died in the hospitals? So there's a team of journalists who took this up, and they found out that these patients were in close contact with some of the most resistant hospital bacteria on, on the entire European continent. And so this movie just follows journalists and politicians on their journey to rid Romania of the corruption and uh, pharmaceutical industry madness that led up to this entire event. It's like so many emotions. It's like crazy, mystery, like it's sad too. So would this technically be a documentary or a movie? It is actually a documentary, but I feel like the way it's shot, honestly, I was so drawn and it didn't feel like a boring, draggy documentary whatsoever. Yeah, it feels so like the way you explained it, I haven't even seen anything about it. It just feels so like it grabs the emotion and it's like really powerful. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm I'm also really interested in this, so it's probably the interest that's also coming off of this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm a nerd into stuff like this. So, um, <laughs> so did you do any like reading about this when you were watching it? Did it make you want to read about it or anything? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I've uh, I've done some reading about um the collective fire even in the making of my review and while watching the film. And I think even the film, for people who haven't heard about The Collective Fire, which honestly, I hadn't heard about it prior to this film, it's a really eye-opening, and it, it, it it's a really eye-opening film, and it really explains the entire situation really well. And, you know, really, it's a really touching way of portraying the entire situation. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it after this. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's so much emotion. So what would you say is like the moral or the main part of the story? So I think Collective has so many different morals. There's freedom of speech. There's government transparency. But I think overall, it's valuing our lives over profit, 
which I think it's a really, really positive uh, message at the end of the day, because there's actually a politician, uh, Vlad Vichulescu, I'm probably butchering that name, but he was the uh, ex-minister of health in Romania, and he at the time uh, was in office, and he was the only major, you know, center stage politician involved in this crisis who actually cared about the people and the patients. In fact, he's a patient's rights activist. Probably that's where his concern comes from. But he was a patient's rights activist, and he was the only politician who cared more about the welfare of these patients than the money in his pocket, which I really just found really admirable. I haven't seen this documentary, but I can already agree with that moral. I <laughs> so, Ishan, how was the camera shots, and do you think they could have improved anything in this film? Oh man, it's just so amazing. I spoke with the director, Alex Nanao. He is a really observational type of um, documentary director. He doesn't like to directly interview anyone, and he uses a lot of contrast shots in, in his work. So I really liked that the camera team used some dimly lit, low contrast and high contrast scenes to kind of just drive home the intensity of just what had happened and also some of the press conferences and hospital scenes were like harshly lit and there were a lot of close-ups um which i think really again helped drive home the point helped add a new level of realism to the entire story yeah i definitely can't wait to watch this movie from all you're saying <laughs> so um i have two last questions what is the age recommendation and star rating you would give this film Oh, so I would give Collective four and a half stars out of five. It was near perfect. It was absolutely amazing. And I would recommend it for ages 14 to 18 plus adults. Uh, There's just some, I guess, profanity. And of course, just the whole concept of a fire at a nightclub, burn victims, all of that. I think there's a level of maturity that's needed to watch this film. I strongly agree with that, even though I haven't seen it. It's just the way you're telling me this. I can already know. So thank you for talking with me. Absolutely. It was fun. Let's go to break. I'm Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State, Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's sponsor is Timestorm. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First film critic boot camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers we're with you wherever alexa and google are at home in the car on your smart tv and your connected devices hey alexa hey google play my favorite voice america podcast on tune it's just that easy but make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the film Collective and The Key to Christmas. Next up, we'll be listening to Ishan's interview with the director of Collective. Hi there, I'm Ishan Manu, reporting for Kids First. Today, I am super excited to speak with Alexander Nanao, director and producer of Collective, an explosive journalistic documentary. His films have been nominated for the European Film Academy Documentary Award, the TIFF Awards. His highly lauded documentaries have won the Gobo for Best Documentary, as well as the 2020 Sydney Festival Audience Award and the Hamptons International Film Festival for Best Documentary Feature. In Collective, 
and now explores an incident from his home country of Romania. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Alex. Hi, thank you for having me. So I'm really curious, what inspired you to create Collective? Uh, after this um, fire happened in Romania, um, a young generation took the streets and we had really big demonstrations against the authorities and against the political class because the, it was a very popular club that caught fire where a lot of uh, young people went to uh, and suddenly everybody realized that it was a club that functioned without fire exits and so everybody was assuming that it must have been corruption that made it possible to function and to get the uh, authorization by the by the uh, authorities um, and so it felt like in a young democracy like Romania that was really a turning point uh, and that was the trigger for me to understand what is happening and to to understand the relationship between the between power which is very populistic and corrupt in Romania and a young generation and so we thought that an investigative journalist that is investigating the, the corruption of the power would be the best um, point of view for the story. That's so incredible. So why do you believe this story needs to be told, especially in a time like now when we face a global pandemic and governments are responding? Oh, because I think we have to understand that um, uh, power has to be held accountable and uh, we have what was important for me and what I learned is that in a very strange way we live in times where the power is constantly um, constructing a parallel reality. They are never telling the truth. They think as their world and our world. And they don't even think about um, exposing their real intentions, why they do certain things, what are the criteria their decisions are uh, based upon. Uh, and I learned how important the free press is and good journalism and uh, information of quality. And information of quality can only be obtained if there is a person of high quality behind it. And that's what we have to learn. Exactly, yeah. And uh, so tell me more about the value of a free uh, press that you just mentioned. Uh, what, what can a free press bring, especially to a country like Romania during a time like 2020? Sorry, can you repeat the question? I didn't hear it well. So tell me more about the value of a free press right now. So you were talking about how uh, a free press can really uh, help amplify voices, can help you know, catalyze change. So in a country like Romania, where there is corruption, how can the free press uh, really be of benefit? Oh, I mean, the, the, the very clear and direct benefit is to get facts to, to, to citizens. Uh, because we are flooded, for sure, with uh, false information, and any power that wants to manipulate, uh, even you know, even it doesn't have to be the bad politicians. It can be like in in the states, for example. It can be also the Democrats that are you know spreading wrong information to get to get uh, people to take their side. Uh, so I think press is important to to really. Uh, holding uh, in check and balance anybody who is in power because power is a responsibility and people are uh, sometimes very weak and power corrupts uh, and a free press and press is our only way of understanding the immediate truths uh, in our lives. Right, yeah, I think that's, that's amazing. That's definitely a great way to term it. So your approach in filmmaking is rigorously observational and i don't think you interview anyone in the film it's almost like you just follow them and you and you tell their story through that way so why do you choose to not interview the people in the film and what is behind your style oh i think you know observational documentary filmmaking is a decision that has a lot to do with what i want to have from the whole process uh, i as a filmmaker and i as a uh, as a person uh, because you know, interviewing people can be very interesting and you can get a lot of information and for sure sometimes emotion. Uh, 
but I'm really interested in observing the life of other people and their life attitudes. How do people really react in certain situations? Why do they take certain decisions? And how much, I think the most important question is, how much does somebody stay true to himself? And that's something that I'm interested in, you know, like how, what does it take to be true to, to yourself? And what does it take to, to become opportunistic or corrupted? Right, and for right. that, I have to follow them observationally. Because if you ask questions, people can answer anything. Yeah, in this kind of scripted way. I think that's the best way to get candid responses and candid reactions. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with some special guests from the Team Marco and Collective and reviewing the key to Christmas. Right now we're continuing Ishan's interview with the director of Collective. So what were some of the most chilling moments shooting Collective? Was there ever a sense of danger? Um, I'm not sure if there was a sense of danger. I mean, we expected any time to, you know, our studio to be broken in uh, to get our footage. So we were very well organized in, in spreading the footage uh, to, to different sources and, and really getting it also out of the country. Uh, we knew that we are surveilled, but it was something that we were aware of that, you know, in every country, the Secret Service does surveil people that get in contact with sensitive information. And in this case, it was, you know, we were in contact with the most dodged journalist uh, that was just um, about to, this, to uncover a lot of fraud in the healthcare system. Right, yeah. And so in a place where you're being surveilled so much and you're you know, uncovering government fraud, how did you sort of adapt your project? How did you, um, how did you deal with that censorship? I don't know. I mean, you can ask Laura Poitras how she does that in the U.S. Um, <laughs> it, it's not censorship in, 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 in the way that they, are, you know, they, are, they cannot censor you. We are living in the European Union. You know, it's, it's a free country. It's, uh, we live under the rules of the European Union. It's not Russia or China. Um, but for sure, it's a country where, as in many other democracies now, uh, one is very aware of the fact that whatever good intention you have, there will be enough people that will attack you or try to, to spread fake news or try to, um, you know, to destroy in a way the work that you're doing by putting it down or attacking it in an unfair way. But it's, I think that's everywhere now in, in, in any country that's possible. It is true. That's true. Yeah. It's been amazing getting your perspective on this. So just to wrap up, how do you think that global audiences can resonate with the story? How they can resonate with it? Uh, I think we all live in times where we feel that we have lost control over our own lives and that uh, you know, the social contract of passing over control and respecting uh, rules um, in a way does not work anymore because those that we... Um, uh, you know, those that we gave this, this control over our lives are misusing it. And we feel that um, we fear, actually, for our lives right now in the most developed democracies. Right. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that everyone can you know, take, take a piece off of. And I think even like just the general storyline of Collective, it probably has, it has several parallels around the world. Right. And what do you hope that Collective achieves in Romanian Big Pharma and in Romanian government? What change do you hope it brings? It's hard to say, you know, what, you know, because politicians and the political class are the least um, open, uh, it's the least open part of the society for change. What I can tell you is that, for example, in Romania, I know from journalists that once we released the film and it was very well attended, uh, the number of whistleblowers they had per day went up 10 times. So that's what a film can do. It can really address every single 
viewer in a way to to look into the mirror and to understand if he wants to be part of the fraudulent system or not of course and i think it's also it reaches a wide audience as well so that's amazing that's awesome yeah thank you so much for speaking with me today Ms. let's take a break i'm your host ethan person from the sunshine state of florida and you're listening to kids first coming attractions today's show is sponsored by timestorm We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the film Collective and The Key to Christmas. Next up, we'll be listening to Catherine's interview with the cast and crew of the film Team Marco. Hi, this is Catherine reporting for Kids First. And today we are interviewing Owen Vaccaro and Anthony Patelis from the upcoming film, Team Marco. Owen Vaccaro is from Atlanta, Georgia and has been acting since the age of seven. He has been in several movies already in his young career and plays the role of Marco. Anthony Patelis is an actor, director, and plays Nono, the grandpa. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. All right, so uh, this is for both of you. I want to start out with the most obvious and probably most common question. Who is the better bocce ball player? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Anthony on this one because I've never even played before I started the movie. Well, I'm gonna have to go with Owen because <laughs> uh, I think he ends up beating me uh, in, in one of the games, so. I'd say it's Owen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, are either of you still playing bocce ball, just as a follow-up? I play a little bit with my brother. You know, he's actually gotten, like, super, super, super good. And he's been, like, beating me on every single game. We play on the turf in my backyard out there. But, I mean, I still play sometimes. I've lost my complete ability. Like, I was able to play on Team Marco. But I still play. Yeah. I've been able to play. Uh, I haven't been able to play since the, since the film ended, but I look forward to because I, I have this awesome red bocce ball that Owen Vaccaro uh, gave me as a gift at the, on the last day of shooting. Oh, that's awesome. That's so Isn't that great. Yeah. Bocce ball is really fun. I feel like I've only played it like a couple times, like once or twice, but it was still really fun. And so, uh, Anthony, how much fun did you have playing this role? Uh, you were a, a parental, you were cranky, you were a neighborhood pal, and you really seemed to enjoy playing this character. So where did you get your inspiration for this character? I think from my own grandfather and grandfathers. Both of them were kind of, uh, had a lot uh, of similarities to Nono. Uh, they were both from the old country and didn't speak much English and, uh, 
and they they were you know conservative and and a little cranky as well <laughs> their <laughs> demeanor and uh so that's that's who i kind of borrowed my my character from that's so great how you can relate to all of like these people in your lives and then just take from that and then make your character even more you know authentic and really you and so, Owen, oh, in real life, do you ever find yourself addicted to electronics as your character, Marco? Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, like just before this, I was watching TV and getting homework done. So, yeah, 100%. I definitely relate with my character in that <laughs> sense. And so what's your favorite video game? Okay, it's on the Nintendo Switch. It's called Animal Crossing. It's super fun. Uh, I love Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh my God, me too. <laughs> So fun, and so um, you again. It you've played a lot of di- in a, you've played in a lot of different movies already in your career. And so, what was unique about this character, and what were some of the special moments from this movie that you'll always remember? I think what's uh, unique about this character, it just felt like so so real. It's, I mean, at least to me, because I can relate to this character in some way, and I'm sure a bunch of other uh, other people can. But and what, what was the second part of the question? Oh, just like, uh, like, what was unique about this character? And then what were some special moments that you'll always remember? I think, uh, uh, oh, special moments. Um, I think one, especially from the set, the dinner scene, that's a special moment that I will always remember because we were all screaming at each other for the scene and we were all laughing in between them. So many moments <laughs> from that scene, it was great. Yeah, it's always hard to keep your, it, well, what I found is just, it's always hard to keep your cool or just your, I guess, your character when you're screaming and yelling at each other because it's, it's supposed to sound kind of threatening, but also you're just kind of dying laughing. You know, it happens. <laughs> and oh, no. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking with some special guests from Team Marco and Collective and reviewing The Key to Christmas. Right now we're continuing Catherine's interview with the cast and crew of the film Team Marco. Yeah, and so Anthony, what are the what key messages do you think uh, Julio Vincent Gambudo? I think that's how you say his name. <laughs> uh, was trying to deliver in Team Marco, uh, and what did he? Uh, what did ah, what did you do, or what did he do to help motivate you and the entire cast to deliver some of those messages? I think that his big message was to put down your devices. Uh, at when you're with your family and enjoy the company of, of, of your family and your friends, um, you know, without that distraction. Um, you know, we'll, we, we will always have uh, games and, and, and uh, you know, apps to play with, you know, on our phones, but we will not always have our family there, you know, especially older members, you know, that's, that's the cycle of life. Uh, so I think that's his that's his message is to was to um, connect to connect with the human spirit, and I think he did a really good job in writing it. And the, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was that he did it without judging characters. You know, he didn't really he didn't place big judgment on anybody. He's presenting each character and their point of view, and he's going to leave the audience uh, for themselves to decide how they feel about it. Yeah, it's really great how, you know, you can take all this away. It's not like really, I mean, it, it's just helping you almost feel closer to your own family, which is nice. Like, you know, you always want to be present and everything. And it kind of helps you with that and helps you remind yourself to, you know, not go on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is, or, you know. And, uh, oh, and so if you got to be a screenwriter for a deleted scene that was shown at the end of the movie after the credits about the bocce ball tournament, who won and who had the winning role? Um, oh, I think Skylar, who's one of the characters on my team, definitely <laughs> won. You know, she was actually really good at it uh, when we were practicing. I remember she, her especially, she was great at it. And the rest of the team, we all kind of learned from her, believe it or not. Yeah, that's fun. So uh, go to Marco. (laughs) And then, uh, so Anthony, there were several funny scenes in the movie. 
And was there one in particular that took several takes or did you improv and stayed uh, and it stayed in the movie? Yeah, um, the, uh, the Alexa, uh, where, when Marco was teaching Nono how to uh, communicate with, with the Alexa device, uh, that, was, that was about 80% um, improvisational. Yeah, that, that's true. And we had a good time with that. Um, and I think my favorite scripted scene was when I take all the devices away from Marco and lock them in a lockbox and, and, and uh, have at it with, with, with Marco that way. Yeah, well, I found, I really found that uh, sometimes improv can be a lot funnier, sometimes just something that's a little more natural, but I got quite a few laughs out of the Alexa scene. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and so for both of you, uh, what do you like most about doing virtu the virtual press junkets uh, that surprised you or that was unexpected? I think it's nice that I'm at my house and that I don't have to, because a lot of the, for the other virtual press junkets that I've had to do, you have to get up super like at the crack of dawn. And then sometimes you'll be working for like nine hours on them. But when you're at your house, it feels so much more comfortable. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, you know, it, it's really nice to be able to ready at your leisure and, uh, and just go from your, you know, bedroom to your living room. And here we are. Yeah, I found that that way for e-learning in general, because like you get to, you don't have to wake up as early, you can stay in your PJs and nobody notices because they're all in their PJs. So that's pretty great. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And thank you. Yeah, Team Marco comes out November 20th, 2020 on cable, on demand, for sale and rent on all digital movie platforms. So be sure to watch it. This is Catherine reporting for Kids First. Please be sure to like, subscribe to our channel, and don't forget to watch our next interview or review or those of my terrific teammates. Bye for now. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Timestorm. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the film Collective and The Key to Christmas. Next up, we'll be interviewing more guests from the film Team Marco with Catherine. Hi, this is Catherine reporting for Kids First, and today we are interviewing Julia, uh, Julio Vincent Gambuto and Anastasia Ganyas Gellin for the upcoming film, Team Marco. 
Julio is the director, executive producer, and screenwriter for the film Team Marco. He hails from Staten Island, New York, graduated from Harvard, and completed his training as a film director in the USC School of Cinematic Arts. He also founded Borough 5, an independent film and television content company that helped bring Team Marco to life. Anastasia is an actress who plays Anna and is Marco's mother in the film. She originally is from Massachusetts, graduated from Suffolk University, and currently divides her time between Los Angeles and New York. She also speaks fluent Greek. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks for having us. Hi, Catherine. Hi. <laughs> so, Julio, this film is about family, friendship, and a boy and is with his grandmother getting to, or grandfather, my God, sorry, grandfather getting to know each other with the mom and daughter caught in between. So which, or what did you do to help the actors create the sense of a real family in the film? Great question. So uh, I made them spend as much time together as possible, <laughs> which is kind of hard when you work with uh, professionals who have busy lives. So uh, we were very fortunate. The actors are really fantastic people. And so when they spent as much time on set together as they possibly could, uh, we made sure that we rehearsed as much as we could. We made sure that they had lunch together as much as they could. All those fun things that help, you know, to foster a bond between them. Yeah, that's always, that's a really good idea, you know, just to make sure that they can get to know as much about each other so they can, you know, uh, feel more, you know, related. And then, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> and so, Anastasia, your role has you caring for both a parent and a child, as many families do today. And your character is a single mom and wants to balance her son's obsession with technology. What real life experiences or role models were you able to draw upon uh, to play this role so convincingly? Ah, uh, well, I'm part of the sandwich generation myself. I've got older parents, I've got younger children. And um, it is quite an interesting um, dynamic to be part of. It was really lovely to kind of bring that real life experience to set and um you know i'm someone that really appreciates and loves the wisdom that people like nono's generation can give me it's something i hold on to very dearly and i also really enjoy lots of play and i'm inspired by the younger generation so for me i thought it was such a great gift to be able to jump in and work with both of them um, like I do in real life. Those are my two favorite things to be a part of, these two generations, to bring them together and to learn from them. Yeah, well, it's great that you can have some past experiences to, you know, bring everything together and make it, you know, feel right. And uh, Julio, this is your first feature film and you were the real driving force between or behind Team Marco as the director, executive producer and screenwriter. So in previous interviews, you indicated that you got the idea when you witnessed your nephew interacting with his electronics and not his family. Good so, research, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little more about that moment and how long it took from an idea to script to fundraising to casting to production? Sure. So uh, it's been about four years now, which has been a long process, a wonderful one, but a long journey. And the whole movie really started when I walked into my nephew's house. I have a nephew named Marco, who at the time was about eight years old. And he didn't look up from his screen. He didn't look away from his iPad when I walked in. And in our family, that's very strange. And so, um, you know, I immediately, very strangely became my grandfather. Like I was saying, come on, get off the screen, come say hello to your uncle. And, um, you know, I always consider myself a young person. And suddenly in that moment, I wasn't, I was the older generation. So it was a very weird moment, but it was the mo moment that the movie was born. And then we started talking, I started talking with my writing partner who is a good, good friend of mine from the sixth grade. We've known each other for 30 years. And uh, he and I started to develop the script. We worked on the script for about a year, year and a half. And then we raised money. Um, I must've had about 150 dinners all over Los Angeles and New York. And uh, that was a long and hard process. And I raised the capital to the money to make the movie. And then we went into production about two years ago. So it's been a long process, but uh, the best part is now getting to share it with the world. Yeah, 
Well, movies surprisingly take like way longer than you would think <laughs> they would. So, you know, when you do yep. research, like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking with some special guests from Team Marco and Collective and reviewing The Key to Christmas. Right now, we're continuing Catherine's interview with the cast and crew of the film Team Marco. And so, are you again, uh, you're from Staten Island, and this movie was filmed on location on Staten Island. So, and you also incorporated scenes from where you went to school and incorporated old movie footage of your own grandmother. So the film is obviously very personal to you. And so, was there any doubt about where you were going to this film or to film this movie and sharing so many personal elements? Was it hard to put so much of your life onto the screen? That's such a great question, Catherine. Um, it wasn't hard. It was very special. And, um, you know, I think as an artist, the privilege I get is I get to share my life and my experience and my um, view of the world with um, with as many people who will listen. So, you know, it's um, it's a unique opportunity and a special opportunity and one that I don't take lightly. And uh, so I knew when we were going to make a feature film that I, it had to be at home. I also really believe that stories are meant to be told in specific places and that there's a reason that stories are told in that place. And I think Staten Island is, is a place really special to me. I grew up there. But it's also a place with a really, really strong community, uh, a strong Italian-American community, uh, a place where grandparents and grandkids uh, all live in the same house very often. And so that's not always the case, but, you know, it, it happens definitely in my hometown. So uh, while the movie is not just for Italian people and not just for people from New York, it's for everybody and every family, uh, it was special for me to, to shoot it in my hometown. And I thought it was great that, yeah, you didn't have to be in Staten Island to relate to any anything in the movie. You know, it was really great just to see, like, a nice family uh, come together and, you know, have fun outside. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And so, Anastasia, among all the cast, what real-life personality uh, is most like your character, or their character in Team Marco? And uh, did you get to eat any of the rainbow cookies or were they only eaten by Owen and Anthony? Uh, the rainbow cookies were eaten by all of us, predominantly <laughs> Owen, I believe. And your first question was, which character do I think is most like his, him or herself? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I would have to say mine geez I really would I, I I do think so you know I think that um after getting to know them really well you know it was it was it was kind of stuff I'm wearing right on my sleeve going through a lot of that stuff on my own those themes that um, we were struggling with parenting um again like I said being part of a sandwich generation trying to continue bonds um of culture and faith and family and so, um, you know, she was, she's gritty, she's funny, she's kind of um, finding her, her feet for the first time in a long time. And, um, you know, as a new kind of parent, I am too, always rediscovering and discovering. Uh, so I, I think Anna, I think Anna, not just because I play Anna, but because I really think so. <laughs> That's really, <laughs> you know, you can say that you can relate to your character really well, yeah. Absolutely. All right. And then uh, can you share something surprisingly positive that is a result of the pandemic that you did not expect? Sure. I have always had a major passion for Greek extra virgin olive oil. And all of a sudden, I am selling it. <laughs> and I woke up this morning thinking, how in the world did that happen? And I said, <laughs> the pandemic that's how so you know i'm in sales all of a sudden <laughs> all right well, uh, you julia uh well the pandemic has been surprising in many many ways um i am i am not married at the moment and so it has been a very strange experience to spend hundreds and hundreds of days by yourself I'm beginning to feel like uh, Tom Hanks in that movie with the volleyball. Wilson! Yeah, so um, it, it, I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm learning how to cook. I'm probably the worst cook in the cast or crew. 
Uh, I make a lot of chicken, I make a lot of pasta, and I make a lot of reservations at out outdoor dining here in New York City. But um, yeah, it's been a wonderful, the, the, the positive I think to the pandemic has been the opportunity to take a deep breath and do a lot of writing. Um, uh, I write weekly for Medium, uh, which is uh, an online you know, website, much like much like Twitter or YouTube, it's, it's, it, it houses pieces from journalists and writers across the world. And that's been really fun. It's been really fun to reach people. It's been really fun to talk about the pandemic and the experience of the pandemic. And um, I don't think it's one that we're going to forget soon. So Yeah, I always wonder what it's going to be like, what we're going to talk like, what we're going <laughs> to talk when it's after late. It's like, oh, yeah, you remember that? You remember 2020? Great year. <laughs> yeah, great year. Great year. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you, Captain. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And then, so Team Marco comes out November 20th, 2020 on cable, on demand, for sale and rent on all digital movie platforms. Be sure to watch it. This is Catherine reporting for Kids First. Please be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so that you don't miss my next interview or review or those of my terrific teammates. Bye for now. Thanks, Catherine. Catherine. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for more interviews on Press4Kids or kidsworld.com and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by TimeStorm. I'm your host, Ethan Purston, from the Sunshine State of Florida, reporting for Kids First. Signing off. Goodbye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.